God, we thank you for your mercy, for your grace. God, we pray that your presence, God, would be made manifest, God, in this house today. God, that your glory, God, would descend upon us. God, that you would touch every heart. God, that you would touch every mind today. God, that your spirit, God, would just move and have its, deliver, have its way in this house today. God, we honor you today. We give you the praise, God, that you're worthy and due. God, we thank you today. God, we give you honor. We give you glory today, God, because there really is nobody like you, Jesus. God, and we honor you and we thank you and we praise you today. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, church. Can we talk to him? Come on, I know. I know it's Sunday morning. I know we may have had a busy day yesterday, but come on, when we come into his presence, let's let's bring an offering. Let's let's offer up something that he would seek, that he would deem worthy, God, and that he would come and answer. Oh God, we love you. God, we thank you today because we have breath in our lungs. God, we're able to come, God, with freedom and liberty and worship you today. God, we're so thankful, God, that we're able, God, to step into your house. God, that we're able, God, to come boldly, God, to your throne, God, to bring our petitions, Lord, to bring our needs, God, before you today, God, and have faith and confidence that those needs and situations can be met, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the issue may be, God, we love you. God, we honor you today. God, I thank you, God, for your presence. God, I thank you for your faithfulness. God, I thank you for your grace, for your mercy. God, because you kept me, God, from, from dangers seen and unseen. God, I thank you today for your presence. God, I thank you for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God, I thank you, God, for the knowledge and revelation of who you are. God, I thank you today for your word, God, that, that, you, that David expressed, God, that we would hide your word in our heart. God, give us a love for your word. Give us a love for the things of God, for the, for the kingdom of God, for the preached word today. God, I pray. God, for the man of God, when he brings forth the word, God, that you would that you would anoint our hearts, anoint our minds, God, that we, we would receive something, God, from you today. God, we love you and we thank you today. God, we honor you. We honor you today because you're faithful. Lord, because your mercy is everlasting. Lord, because your truth endureth, God, forever. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, I worship you. God, I praise you today. Lord, there's nobody like you. There's nobody like you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, can we push just for a minute? Come on, just for a minute. Let's push. Let's push our way into his presence. Oh, God. so easily beset us. God, help us to go further. God, to go deeper. God, in your presence today. God, we love you. God, we thank you. God, because you're faithful. God, because you're sovereign. Because there's nobody like you, Jesus. God, move in this house. God, from center to circumference, God, let your glory fill this sanctuary today. God, let your presence have its divine will in this house. God, let the angels add, our, add their worship, God, with ours this morning. God, walk up and down these aisles. God, let there be conviction, God, in this house. God, let there be a drawing, God, of your presence today. God, let the gifts 
gifts of the Spirit, God, be in operation. God, let the gift of faith operate in this house. God, let healing, God, go forth today. God, let there be signs and wonders, God, in our midst. God, fill those, God, that have come empty, God, today. God, let them come filled. Let them leave filled today, God, I pray. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Worship with the praise team.
so glad. I am so glad that the Lord thought so much of me that he left his throne. Actually, he didn't leave his throne is everywhere. He said that his throne is in heaven and earth is his footstool. But the deal is that he came down here, was born of a virgin, became flesh. So therefore, he's 100% man. He's 100% God. And he died for me so that I may be able to not go get the victory, because he already got the victory, right. but obtain the victory. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful? Hallelujah. For a merciful God. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, um, just continue to stand, because I'm about to go right into the reading. And um, while I'm preparing, I definitely want to give thanks and honor to my pastor, Reverend Tommy Crutchfield, has allowed me to come and minister from his platform, from his pulpit. And I do not take it lightly. And um, also, I want to give honor to my wife and my children, who, um, as I always say, and I will never stop saying this, that I am a product of prayer. Hallelujah. I am the product of praying wife and praying children. And as the, re the scripture does not lie, and as it reads, and it says that a saved wife, wife begets a saved husband. If you continue to be faithful in all things toward God, and this goes for the men also whose wives are in here, the Lord will deliver your mate. You just continue to be faithful, be unwavering, do not be fickle, do not question, do not doubt, but be steadfast in the promises of God that he has given you. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. All right. Well, praise the Lord. If you could, go with me to Ephesians 2. And we're going to be reading in Ephesians 2. And I'm going to be reading. Brother Ing, I know I give you 20, but I'm going to go ahead and start with um, 17. And this is talking about Christ when Christ came. And the title in my Bible, in my Thompson Chain reference, it, it reads, the title of it, which this is just something that man threw in, but at every couple of paragraphs, it throws in a focus for that area. And so what I'm going to be reading is, it, it reads, the heading reads, the unity of all believers. The unity of all believers. Now this is when he's talking about Christ, what Christ came and did, went ahead and gave his blood so that we no longer had to sacrifice um, rams and cattle and things such as this. All of the clean beasts that were that were slaughtered over the years for to to roll back sin, not to wash it away, not to cover it, but to roll back sin another year. But right here it reads in Ephesians two seventeen, and if you're still looking, just remember it's in. Uh, um, uh, Go everywhere, preach Christ. Galatians, Ephesians, uh, Philippians, and um, um, Colossians. So, go everywhere, preach Christ. And it reads, And came and preached peace to you, and this is talking about Christ, which were afar off, and to them that were not. For though him, Christ, we both, well, through him, we both have access by one spirit, unto the Father. And that's, the manifest, that's not the manifestation, but that's talking about the Father, God. 
the Godhead, the, the understanding of who Christ is, that he is the Father, he is the Son, he is the Holy Ghost. At all the same time, he is. It's not different phases like ice and water and all this. He's all of them at the same time, but he be, may be working in you in a different type of manifestation, all right? Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And this is the big one right here. 20. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief corner stone. Every time they built a building, they had a spot that they had to start from. If you've ever done any tiling, which I have, I remember I messed up a tile when I was tiling the floor, and my wife came out and looked at it the next morning, and she gave me that look. I just went off. I knew I had put the cornerstone in incorrectly, and I had to rip it all up and do it over. 21, in whom all the building, fitly framed together, groweth into a holy temple in the Lord. Say, that's us. That's us. He's talking about the church. Let's say it again. That's us. Come on, more people than that got to believe that that's us. Say, that's us. All right. In whom ye are also building together for the habitation of God through the Spirit. And that is the Holy Ghost. That is what? That is Jesus. Reverend Fowler, can you pray for this word today, sir? God, we love you today. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for your presence, God, that we felt in this house. God, we pray, God, that you would anoint your servant. God, speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds. God, that we would receive, God, what thus saith the word of the Lord today. God, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. All right. Praise the Lord. Be seated and say amen. All right. Well, this morning... I want to take some time to speak to us about apostolic doctrine equals apostolic authority. I say again, apostolic doctrine equals apostolic authority. Now, I wasn't raised in this marvelous truth that you all sit here and listen to today and have read about. Even though I've read the Bible or attempted to many times before I came to the Lord about 20 years ago. My birthday's this year. <laughs> so in a couple of days on the 21st or 22nd I think it is, I have to go back and look was the day that I was baptized in Jesus name I was baptized in water for the remission of my sins and so the last week of this month would be 20 years from me but I still feel as though I'm a babe in Christ because there were many things that I have learned since then there's still oh so much that I do not know. There's many entities and organizations out there that claim Christ, but do not truly know him. And sometimes it's intentionally and sometimes it's unknowing. We have a great man of God, a minister traveling in our area, a Reverend Lionel Dabbs, who's in the area as one of the evangelists traveling, and he was at my church before I came here. And this man has been working in some areas out in um, Eastern Asia or Western Asia, Eastern Asia, for a long time, many years. And um, and I remember he had had an opportunity to meet some people one day when he was out. Him and his wife were out eating lunch after a service, and they had an opportunity to meet some people who were influencers at that church. 
Well, in the short, about 200 some of our people were baptized, including the pastor, because when they heard the true gospel and the fullness of the gospel, they went ahead and were obedient to the gospel. And this whole church, this pastor said, well, I must be baptized. And this whole church was converted. It's a great opportunity for us to go out that not to argue or fight or pull out swords on anybody, not for the sharpening them, well, not to cut them, but to sharpen them. We pulled the sword of God, the word of God. We are apostolics regarding the preaching, teaching, and the experience uh, and the continued practice, which is in Acts 2, 42. Because it reads, it says that we, that the set, that the uh, apostles, that the Peter preached this marvelous first sermon, that they continued in what? Apostles' doctrine. The apostles' action in the book of Acts were what? The acts of the apostles, which is in short, that's a short form, which were the actions of the apostles. So everything that we read in there is what we should be doing and still is still here today. These are the historical acts where we continue in accordance with the biblical New Testament covenant as it is authoritative and normative. See, a lot of people think that this is authoritative, and yet this did happen, but there's many things, and I've had chaplains tell me when I was in the military that, oh, but these things are now done, defunct, and gone with the death of the last apostle, who was John. So the, the amazing thing is that these people do not believe that the power that Jesus Preached, ministered, taught all that time, and with that apostles carried on, continues today. But we know different. Jesus commissioned the apostles to establish the church, proclaim the gospel, and teach his commandments. You see, there's a couple of things right there that we have to take note on. He told them to do what? Establish the church. He told them to do what when they established the church? Proclaim the gospel. You see, many people go sit in church right now, today. There's hundreds of thousands, millions, billions of people sitting in churches at some point in time on Sunday around the world. Here in America today, we're going to have millions of people, probably tens of millions, should be hundreds of millions, because there's about 350 million people in the U.S. that's going to sit in church, but all they're doing is church. They're not proclaiming the gospel. But what is the gospel? Let me remind you. The gospel is the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. We love the word of God, and yes, we're true apostolics, and we love Acts 2. But the deal is, we have to get beyond Acts 2 also. We have to continue on living. Acts 2 is not one thing at one point in time that stops right there. And that's where most churches stop at. They stop unto repentance, but they don't continue on. Um, and teach his commandments. Oh, and last we have teach his commandments. Well, what is that? Jesus said that he came not to destroy, but to fulfill. So therefore, if you hang on to those ten commandments, which those things are still wrong, right? Last I checked, it's not good to take somebody else's wife or husband. Alright? No matter what they say on TV, no matter what somebody say about open relationship, 
no matter what somebody doing in Hollywood, then they say that it's okay and they have a loving relationship with their spouse, but they can go do whatever they want to. No. They are in error and they are liars. Do not be deceived. And the commandments come from what? Matthew, well, all of this comes from what? Matthew 28, 18 through 20, where Jesus said, Go ye into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Which brings note that this is something that Sister DeVal brought up yesterday in prayer. Jesus also continued on. He said, He that believe and is baptized shall be saved. It says, What? <laughs> shall be saved. He that believes. Not just he that is that believes is saved. It says, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And that's in Mark 16, 15 through 16. The early believers continued steadfastly in apostles' doctrine, and we must do so today. Our churches would be different if everybody was teaching true apostolic doctrine. Our schools would be different if everybody was teaching and preaching true apostolic doctrine. Our governments would be different if they were preaching and teaching true apostolic doctrine. Let me give you a keynote. You don't even have to preach and teach true apostolic doctrine, but if you're just walking and living, guess what? You will have the blessings that the Lord has, um, has poured out, right? But the deal is, look at people who do live. All of us know somebody that's a good person, right? All of us know somebody who's a, a good character Christian that does, well, let me say good character person that's not a Christian. And we say, oh, well, this person is good, so they inevitably have to go to heaven. But that's not so. That's not so. Jesus told Nicodemus that you have to be born again of the water and of the spirit. And that's the only way to Christ through this world. For many Christians today, the message and experience of the apostles is the ending point for their theological discussion. But Jesus in his parable, he spake in, let, let go with me to Luke 13, and we're gonna be reading Luke 13, one. So Luke 13, and this is in the gospels. And the, the Gospels are renditions. So when we read the Gospel, we have to remember that Luke, as a physician, he had an audience that he was pointing to, right? And um, each one of these speak. You know, just like when somebody has a car accident, if anybody's ever been in a car accident or seen an accident, and you go talk to the witnesses, right? You have one guy in one car behind you, you have another guy that was in a car across the way going the other direction. You have somebody who's standing on the street corner and everybody's gonna talk about the same exact event but from the angle at which they witnessed it from. So there is no contradiction in the word of God. So when somebody tells you so, say let's go and read it because they will try to tell you. But we serve a God that is not a lie. And he tells the truth and his prophets, his apostles, his preachers, his teach, all of them tell the truth. Or at least should therefore tell the truth. Um, Luke 3. Luke 13. Sorry about that. Luke 13. 
and 1. And it reads, There were present at the season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said unto them, You see, this is something that was going on. It's, it's nothing new. You know, that we have socioeconomic and strife in the world. But we can't get hung up on these things. We have to preach and teach Christ. Like I said, if we were doing as the scripture reads, we wouldn't have to worry about racism. If we were doing as the scripture reads, we wouldn't have to worry about poverty as much. Because people would be more content. Hey, let me tell you something. My family, within my family, people, I see those who live in poverty, right? And I see those who live in poverty with cheerfulness. I see those who live in poverty that live a life that is just ungodly and unholy. So when I'm talking about poverty, I'm not talking about poverty as in how much moolah, dinero, l'argent that you have. I'm talking about your poverty because guess what? You can be the richest person in the world, but guess what? Donald Trump needs the Holy Ghost. Just like everybody else. He can have all the money he wants, but he still needs the Holy Ghost. And let me get the other side too. Biden needs the Holy Ghost. And we need to be in prayer for our president and be in prayer for them that they will receive just as we have. If you have an opportunity to meet them, let them know. You need the Holy Ghost. You'll be making much better decisions. And that's all of them. <laughs> Every last one of them. It's funny. Somebody, this is a sidebar, so I'm going to let you know. We're talking about some elections, some people that are running all that, and me and a friend and some gentlemen I work with. And some of them men and women and ministers of God. And they had a candidate who wasn't a Christian, you know. And uh, the guy was Hindu. And I was talking, and we were talking about some of the things. And I'm not going to politics, but this is just a point I wanted to make. And people said, and, and this is something funny that happened. And they talked about this after the hour. They said, you know, well, well, why you didn't, you know, well, why you wouldn't vote for this person? And these people straight up on TV said, well, he's not a Christian. Now, me, myself, I asked. And I'm looking at everybody, and I'm like, are you saying everybody before him was? <laughs> because not one of them has walked as one, to me, in my own opinion anyway. But I say that the Lord says, do what? Try the spirit. Right? So we need to be in prayer for all of these men, all of these women that lead us. But as we continue, they were trying to pull Jesus into something that was socially and economically going on because Pilate was in this area where they had some people who were dissidents and fighting against the Romans, right? Where there's nothing wrong with standing up for rights. There's nothing wrong with standing up for equality. But we have to do it within reason and we have to do it God. And Jesus answering said unto them, suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you no, but except you repent, you shall likewise perish. And that's what I say to everybody else. We can look for equity all day, but you will die in your sins if you are not walking in Christ and walking in the gospel and walking in absolute truth. It doesn't matter who you stand behind. Oh, hallelujah. Or these 18 upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but except you repent, you shall likewise perish. When Jesus tells you something once, ooh, man, that's power. 
But when he tell you something twice, baby, you better wake up. So today I say unto us, let's not get caught up this year in a whole bunch of mess that we don't need to be fighting for and on Facebook saying crazy things. But let us go ahead and judge them by the fruit of the Spirit and support what is rightfully going to uh, help us. I do call for everybody to do the right thing, and that is do your part because you have an opportunity. Whereas many places I travel to and war and many places I've traveled to and rotations in the military, believe, take your opportunity to go out. But the apostolics, this is the starting point. The starting point is Acts. It's not the end point. And it's the beginning of the New Testament church what continues through today. Jesus is alive and well and still working miracles today just as he did 2,000 years ago. Oh, hallelujah. For this reason, apostolics must emphasize that sorrowful, godly repentance. There's many times I've walked up here, I've come, I've prayed with people, and the next thing you know, even when I was in college, I had a lot of my classmates who happened to come through here. You know, and then being in a position before I retired, there are a lot of people that I had an opportunity to know from work, but also here. And the amazing thing is, people will come in, and they'll come up to the altar, and they'll pray, they'll cry, they'll snap, scream out Jesus' name. But then, as soon as they walk out, they leave unchanged. The Lord wants change from a brother. The Lord wants change from a sister. Do you have change in your life? Sorrowful, godly repentance, followed by the water baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues and continued future refreshing. Paul said, I got them. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. Who can say that in here? I want to be able to say that. But it's not a boastful thing for me. I want to be able to boast that to say that this is what the Bible, this is a prescription for my sin, for my ailments, for my sickness, in the spiritual and physical. So therefore, I must do it daily. Hallelujah. If the only time I talk to the Lord in tongues, speak in tongues, is here at the altar, something is going on in my life. Something is amiss. Do not be fooled. Do not be bamboozled. But the Lord wants you to have the refreshing daily. Because this is what strengthens us and helps us. Hallelujah. My second point, first one was apostolic doctrine and authority. Two, the Old Testament foundation and New Testament fulfillment and the revelation to come. The Old Testament is the underlaying, the foundation. Anytime you build something, when you see them out there working on the highways, now, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I, I do it. Man, this hard. <laughs> yeah, thank you, brother. Reverend Parks, preach the word. Now this is something I never noticed And I never paid attention And I never can But all of these highways that they build I never realized how much Asphalt and concrete is under there And then since I've been working Down at the county when I worked in the finance office You know I never see these things But then when I went to work for Public Works As their program analyst in the county To take care of their budget And I would go out just with my boss every once in a while And you look and there's like Literally like about four feet of concrete and then probably about another two, three, six inches of asphalt. And I was like, wow, why do they have to have that? 
Well, I'll tell you why, and I'm glad you asked. <laughs> as a ground combat operator, when we was closing down Iraq back in 2010, um, we were changing over to Operation New Dawn. And what happened was, they was like, All right, we're not sending as many people over there. The president said, hey, we only want 60% of units going. So what they did was they sent us over there, and right before they sent us over there, a couple of months prior to, my squadron commander came, I had all my time on the line being a calf scout, and he was like, all right, you need some staff time. You need to get a staff infection. So, uh, so what he did was he put me in staff, and I was working as an engineer. I don't know anything about engineering. First project I did, I went ahead and wrote up this statement of work. We had to build a cohort, right? Which is where you have this pipe, and there's like a little bridge that goes over it. But this pipe is supposed to support where water can run through it and stuff like that. But over the top, you have a road. So we had a school that we wanted people to get to, right? And these are projects over in Nineveh, Iraq, the province I was in, uh, with the State Department. Well, I went ahead and spent $76,000 doing this statement of work, finding somebody to go do the work. The gentleman went and did the work, but I didn't write it through all the way. I didn't know any better. The first rain in Iraq, that whole cohort washed out. $76,000, why? Because I didn't tell them to put foundational materials in there. It didn't have any rebar in there. It didn't have the right mix of concrete with dirt. It didn't have good quality dirt that had impurities in it. Hey, if you missed the first from Reverend Parks, brother, I sent you a video also. It's from Reverend Parks, and I want you to go ahead and you can play that right now. But the thing is, we have to have the impurities from our life removed so that we may be able to have a good foundation. So when the hard storms come, that we won't be washed away. The Old Testament is that foundation. If we don't know the Old Testament, there's no way we will fully understand the New Testament. We have to be refined as the Lord does us. It's hard to see because of all of these lights. But what this is, this is gold. And you see how it's not shining right now, but wait until it's done. Look at it. That's, that's the fire of the Lord. Firing us up. Working us up. These are the things in the world that's coming at us that the Lord is allowed. Look at that. It's being baptized in Jesus' name. Look at that. They, they cooling it off. That's it. Now it's purified. They're going to go ahead and take it out. And this is what the Lord allows. The world is trying to fire us up. Trying to take us to a devil's hell well. But I'm telling the devil, I'm fighting back. I ain't going with you. You go out of yourself. Because the Lord has a place in heaven that he has prepared for me. We are his bride. And he is the bride. Ruth, hallelujah. And the Lord is going, just like any good man, should go prepare. Stuff. I remember I went to Afghanistan, I forgot 
because you skip birthdays when you're on deployment. I came back and for a whole year, I was telling people I was 32, took PT test, went to drill sergeant school, and then my pops called me up to wish me congratulations for my birthday the next year after I went to drill sergeant school and all that. And, and he was like, you're going to be 34 this year, not 33. We can't forget with the Lord. We have, to, we have to let the Lord remind us of our birthday, right? Remind us whose we are. And then my father, he reminded me, it's like, I remember I was there, and that's what the Lord does for us. He reminds us who we belong to. He reminds us that we had a birthday. He reminds us that, that, that we have, you know, when we have a birth and we're born into a family, anybody who's born into a family that has a popular name, a big name, right? Guess what? The DuPont family, you know? The Vanderbilt family. The, you know, that's a family. You might not have a dime to your name, but if you got the last name Vanderbilt, guess what? Somebody gonna be saying, are you related to the Vanderbilt? You know? So I have the name of Christ. And that's better than anything that any Vanderbilt could ever give me. Or hallelujah. And in 5.17 it reads, Think not that I am come to destroy the law, as I stated earlier, or the prophets. I am come to destroy that, to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass away from the law, till all be fulfilled. That's what we're looking at, for all to be fulfilled. And I tell you what, we're close. We're closer now than anybody has ever been in a period of history for the last 70 plus years. And I love that the Lord has planted in us this foundation. Instead of reading the New Testament through the lenses of church tradition and creeds, which a lot of the world has taken on, right? Because men and women get together and they say, well, we don't understand this. And they get together and they come up with their own, they postulate their own things about what Christ means or what Christ would think or what Christ would say. Well, we don't need to do that. Just go to the Word. Everything is in there. We just need to look. We just need to find. The Lord has everything. If you got issues within your nation, you know, you got poverty, guess what? Go to the Word. Word will tell you how to fix poverty. You know? If you have issues with war, you need to find out how to work that. Get out of war. Seek wise counsel. Read the Bible. It tells you about that. Thus, when we read the New Testament that Jesus is God manifested in flesh, we understand him to be the revelation of the one true God of the Old Testament. We should not change the definition of God to allow a plurality, a plurality of persons. Three. Centrality is one God in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead incarnate and the supreme revelation of God to us. Let us go to Revelation 1. I'm going to give y'all a cheat code right here. Everybody, you know, we always think, well, man, Revelation, many people, you know, and many of the churches that I know um, many of us have been to, Revelations, with a Z at the end, but it's not, it's Revelation. Because why is it? Well, it reads here, and we're about to read it as we go to Revelation, the last book of the, um, of the Bible altogether. And it reads, and I'm going to be reading Revelation 1 through 3. And this is the whole Revelation. This is the cheat code. Now, go read the rest of Revelation, not just the cliff notes that I'm giving you right now. But the word reads, the revelation of who? The revelation of who? Jesus. 
the revelation of who? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. So he had John there and his angel. But the amazing thing is that Jesus gave a revelation of what? Everything that you read all the way from Genesis all the way up to this point in Jude is about me. And I am God manifested in the flesh just in case everything else you read you didn't understand and don't know. <laughs> and it continues. Who bear record of the word. Who did what? Bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all the things that he saw. Blessed is he that read it and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein from the time is at hand. If Jesus is telling John that the time is at hand 2,000 years ago, what do you think we have today? We better be on the lookout because the Lord is coming back. The Lord is coming back. Come on, we can clap for that. The Lord is coming back. Pastor preached last week. I administered in the first service. And then we had the little prophet, Reverend Parks Jr. <laughs> she came up to me. And I was like, brother, you look like you, you dressed to preach. He had his hat on, had his suit on. And he was like, yeah, I'm preaching the word. And I was like, what you preaching today? He was like, I'm preaching that Jesus is coming back. Oh, hallelujah. Glory be to God. Importance of this spiritual illumination and spiritual experience. I love this. Spiritual illumination and experience. We can't live with just illumination. We have to have experience. But also, we have to have experience, but we cannot live without illumination. Just think about some of the places that we visited that have great experience, but absolutely no illumination. None. Zero. Zilch. And the next thing you know, they just walk in from out the club because they have no illumination, but they have experience. I asked my wife, I was like, I'm amazed because, you know, coming to this marvelous truth 20 years ago, I didn't understand because the, 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 the organization that came out of us said that they were the only church. Well, that's what they told us from Rome, anyway. But the thing is that when I came to this and started learning about other Christian faith, or so say. And I look around, I'm like, man, you have a lot of churches out here that preach this, preach that, people speaking in tongues, all this, but they do not preach the apostles' doctrine. But they try to speak in tongues. How can that be? That because they have experience with no illumination. But we need to couple the two together because illumination will bring your experience. Hallelujah. The carnal mind cannot understand the things of God. And this is in what? In John 3 where Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. For they must be discerned spiritually. While the grammatical historical method can't help anyone understand the basic teachings. Go, go to um, the Washington Times. Go to the New York Post and all of this. Go to, you know, writings from, you know, uh, um, uh, BBC. 
And you will see all the time people who are writing editorials. And they'll say something offhand, you know, about, you know, Jesus accepts this. Jesus accepts that. You know, and that the way people been reading the Bible is in error and incorrect. You know, that Jesus accepts everybody and everybody's going to heaven because Jesus is just a nice guy. Don't be deceived. Don't be fooled because these people are not spiritually discerned, but they're spiritually deceived. The teaching of scripture in order to appreciate its true significance and make proper application to our lives, we need to lead the illumination of the Holy Spirit. John 20, 20 through 23. Then the disciples were glad when they saw Jesus. Now this is going to uh, John 20 with me. And I apologize, y'all, when I'm reading the word, I'm just all over because I'm like, when I'm saying something, I'm like, I'm trying to minister to myself and teach myself, and therefore, I am forever with my Bible open. Even as I read newspapers today, guess what I'm doing in light of? I'm doing it in light of the scripture. When I hear about something or see something happening in the news, I tell you what, the enemy ain't going to get me with thinking that everybody's the Antichrist. Because I'm not looking for the coming of the Antichrist. I'm looking for the coming of the Christ. Hallelujah. So everybody who come up to me during COVID and was like, do you think this of the Antichrist, the beginning and the end and all that? I was like, what you see is you see the forming and you see the condition by men with power, men with money. But the thing is, I was like, we're not looking for the Antichrist. We're looking for Jesus Christ. So keep your eye on him and you will know. There's many movies out there and TV shows and even, uh, I guess it's a rap video. Watch what your children are looking into. Reverend Parks ministered this at the first one. That you walk in their room that is hidden in plain sight, but watch what your children are doing. The music that they listen to. This stuff is not good. And even sometimes some of the Christian music we listen to are so-called because, because me, it's been a long time that when I came out of the world, all the stuff I was into, anytime I play something, I was like, look, that might be inspirational music, but it ain't Christian music. Just because it don't have curse words, everybody think it's Christian music. Now, I beg to differ. It better have something in there about the word of God, about the men and women of God, about the Christ of God. <laughs> because if it doesn't, it's just inspirational garbage. Or let me not say garbage, just inspiration. But in John 20, 24, through 30, John 20, it says, but Thomas, that is after Jesus' death and burial, but Jesus has come out and he's been resurrected and he's going and walking through walls and all that stuff, you know, you don't, you, you, you. and when Jesus went to meet up, so the first time, the first time that Jesus went to meet his apostles or link up with them, you had Didymus or Thomas who wasn't there. But this time, and Thomas told him, he was like, you know, they call him Dabbing Thomas. But what about, you know, we say Dabbing Thomas, that like it's such a big thing. But all of us had a certain smidgen of doubt some when the Lord has to come. If you, have, if you had a miracle in your life, guess what that was? That was something showing up your doubt. That was the Lord helping you with your doubt. And I've had many miracles, so I didn't have, must have a lot of doubt. But today, I'm much firmer than I was. I'm not so much jello, but I'm turning into concrete. <laughs> but the thing is, we have these miracles, and these miracles help to do what? To lessen our doubt. So if you haven't had a miracle, guess what? You must be doubtless. <laughs> but I don't think there's any of us in here. 
So then you read, the other disciples therefore said unto, um, oh, hold on, let me go back to 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came the first time. The other disciples were there, and Jesus went ahead, came in, spoke with them. He told them, though, but he said unto them, except I shall see in his hand the print of nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. But then, eight days later, Jesus came back. And Jesus then said he to Thomas, and it is 27, reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it in my side, and be not faithless, but believe. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord, who is Jesus Christ, and my God, who everybody thinks is different, but it's Jesus Christ. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen. Say that is us. Say that is us. But none of us have seen Jesus. <laughs> and yet have believed. But Jesus gives us what? The effects of his power and his glory. We have not seen Jesus face to face. But we have been instilled with his spirit. Therefore we feel him. We know him. But just like when I was in the army. And I'm talking to a soldier. And they pull a security. And I start talking to them. And they look at me. And I'm like, you're looking at me. And I pull a security. Don't look at me. Look at the enemy. <laughs> so you don't have to see something. To hear it. To feel it. To know it. Hallelujah. Uh, experience does not become our authority for our doctrine. Let me say this again. Experience does not become our authority for our doctrine, but it helps us to understand and apply the word of God to our lives. It becomes a part of the what? The hu Help me remember, remember, hu Herman, Herman hermeneutical spiral. Yeah, y'all pray for me. <laughs> but I can't say shrimp. <laughs> Uh, fifth point, interpretation in the light of the end times. Jesus taught that it is important to discern the time in which we are living. We have to be discerners. We have to be discerners. See, everybody came and asked if we should be looking for the Antichrist because they have not discerned that Christ is telling us to look for him. Look toward the skies. It never says look to see what the devil is doing. He tells us not to keep our head in a hole and be mindful of what's going on around us, every soldier a censor, but he wants us to be sound in our doctrine, which we have to read the word to understand the word. And we're going to get to a part that's really going to lay that out for us. In Luke 17, 22 through 33, I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to take this short excerpt. But the days will come when ye shall, shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. But I am going every day of a part I want to read in there. And um, the Lord, he, when you read the Bible, when you have a hard time or having hardship in your life, you're having a rough day, go to your scripture. Carry your Bible with you. Read your word. I, I was known when I was in the army, and especially when I was a drill sergeant, but the soldier called tell, I always had a Bible that my mother-in-law gave me that was always in my cargo pocket. It was rare I put anything in there, but that was a place reserved for the word of God. So when I was out doing something, that I was able to pull it out. I haven't memorized the whole thing, unfortunately, but um, I'm working on it. <laughs> but um, when will the kingdom come? That's what the title is of this, as I'm reading in Luke 17. And I love this because Jesus said, and as it was in the days of Noah, 
Think about the days of Noah where the word says back in Noah 5, uh, back in Genesis 5 and 6, it says that every inclination of man's heart was evil. Right? And where do we think we're at today? And if, and this is, I'm getting ready to close because pretty much this will be my closing reading. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat. They did drink. They married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. That's what we have today. We have people carrying on with life. Even people who walk in churches on Sunday. They just carry on and say, hey, today I just can't make it because I'm going to a Super Bowl party. Or I got to cook everything or all of this jazz, right? But the thing is, we have to remember to keep everything in perspective. I'm not saying there's something wrong with having your favorite football team, unless you're a UGA fan. But I'm saying, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Gamecock fan, so therefore, <laughs> big round. Oh man, then my dad from Georgia, so I got bullied so bad as a kid. Oh my goodness. I got scars. Help me, Lord. <laughs> but it says, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Right now we have a flood that is here that is a flood of evil. Everything that we see on TV, things that you hear on the radio, within our schools, within our government. Governments are propping up things that are evil and wicked and trying to push us into it. We don't have to succumb to all this. You know, they got people that I work with that may have a different lifestyle than me and we're going to be obedient in, uh, uh, um, in some things. But then I just tell them the truth if they ask me. I've had this when I was in the military. A group of troops ask me, well, what do you think about this? Since the army is going this way and accepting this and giving, you know, um, 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 giving housing allowance to people who are same-sex couples but can't get married. But the federal government say, oh, we need to be able to, you know, have them write this sworn statement and then we can go ahead and give it, give them so they can have the same rights. And hopefully we can get medical for them. When my troops asked me that, when these young ladies asked me this, I told them, I was like, well, this is the point. And I went ahead and gave them the point. And I told them the point of what the scripture said when we go back to Deuteronomy. And it talks about men and women and relationships. And talk about the, the ungodly, carnal things that man has going on. As it talks about humans with beasts, humans with, with same-sex uh, attraction or um, and all of that. The thing is, we can't flounder on this. God is a deliverer. Just as God delivers a man that cheats on his wife with a woman, he can deliver a man that is in love with a man. And, and hallelujah, we can clap for that. But the amazing thing is that when I told them, I gave them, not, I gave them, I gave them the word of God. And then I told them at the end, I was like, this is not my opinion. This is what the word of God says when you go to read his word. And I encourage them to read the scripture. And many of them came to Bible studies and all that. What's the fruition of it afterwards? I have no idea, but it's not for me to know because the word says that they got some that till, some that seed, some that plant, some that water. And that's for God to know. But you do your part. And then it continues, likewise, also as was in the days of Lot, as I was talking about, men with men and women with women, they did eat, they drank, and bought and sold and planted and built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone. Here comes the artillery. From heaven and destroyed them all. 
Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And when he means revealed, it's already revealed to us. But the whole world will see. And people are still going to rebel if you continue reading into Revelation and all that. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff, we're going to skip that. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever, she wasn't the salt of the earth, but she was the salt of the earth. Because she was turned into a pillar of salt. Why? Because her former sins and that evil city she was leaving, she looked back because she wanted to go back. And the same thing will happen to us. We'll become the salt of this earth and not the salt of Christ. But praise the Lord. If you could please stand, I'm preparing to close. We are living in the last days, and we have a commission to witness as we read Matthew 28, as we read Luke 16, as we read John, yeah, as we read John, I forgot which one it was, but Jesus said the same thing from four different points. He tells them to go out and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, the name. As my sister, Sister Vall, reminded us yesterday in prayer. Yes. Teach them about the wonderful name of Jesus. Yes. And then this is what Sister Vall said. She was like, as she said, she was like, Jesus is relevant even though the world is trying to make him irrelevant. Yes. He is the most relevant. Right. And this is from what our sister poured out to us yesterday. Saints, we have an enemy that he might not be able to touch you. Because you're prayed up. And the enemy says, you know what? Bullies don't mess who can fight back. They rarely fight with people who can fight back. But guess what? Everybody around you can be a casualty. Just as the enemy does, and then many times in Vietnam, he wouldn't just take out the commander, but what he'd do is he'd take out one of the lead people we saw was on point. And what happens? It takes more troops to take care of that one person, that one gunfighter that he took out. All he had to do was take out one person. He take out the radio man, what can he do? You are the radio man and woman for Christ. You are here spreading his word, spreading his gospel. And we have to make sure that we are on point with Christ. The Lord has given us an opportunity today to come up to the altar. And even if we're not praying for ourselves, to pray for our ones. That in these last days, that is the enemy keeps putting things out there to trip us up. As they, the Pharisees tried with Christ, that the Lord would continue to shore us up. All scripture is given for our admonition while culture has changed from the Bible days. We must still follow the principles of the scriptures in every area of our lives, from adornment and, dre adornment and dress to sexual morality and marriage. We must obey the practical instructions of the New Testament to the church. Saints, today... As we have went through this, this whole thing was about the gospel of Christ. And what is the gospel? Today I give you the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I give you him who is the one that can take you out of the fire. That can refine you as the gold that we saw. That we can be 100%. We might be 99.9 while we're here and I doubt any of us are, are even that close. But the Lord is working on us. Let him refine you. Let him strengthen you. Let him work in you. Let him work through you. Let you be the vessel, the conduit that the Lord may use for his mighty work.
hands come before the Lord in prayer. This altar is open. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, Heavenly Father, we are thankful, Lord. We pray, Lord, for a mighty move, Lord, today, Lord. And we come up to this altar, Lord, and we approach you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. With all the love in our heart, Lord Jesus, let us seek change, Lord. Let us turn, Lord, from the things of this world and turn it to you, Lord. Let us turn, Lord, hallelujah, from the things that attempt to attack us and drag us down, Lord. Our family members that are living ungodly lives, Lord, we don't need to justify, Lord, but we need to minister to them, Lord Jesus. Let us be strengthened, Lord, by your promises, Lord, by your word, Lord, by your glory, Lord. As our praise team sang earlier, Lord Jesus, we have the victory already, Lord, because you want it for me. All I have to do, Lord, is to get into that New Testament ark, the ark of Christ, the only one that can open the door and shut that door. The only one that can lift us above this flood that is in the world. The only one that has called us out of the world to bring us through. Hallelujah. The one that's going to one day come back. And if I'm in my grave, that trumpet will sound. And I will wake up and be caught up in the air with him. If I'm here walking on the earth, that that trumpet will sound. And I'll be caught up in a flash of an eye. In the blink of an eye. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We glorify your holy name. Let us worship you. Let us glorify you. Let us pray, hallelujah, for the kingdom to come. And as the Lord says, I come quickly, Lord Jesus, we continue to pray. Jesus, come quickly. Hallelujah.
Amen. What a word we've heard this morning. Amen. Let's give God a hand for that. As we prepare to transition to, to, to dismissal, they're going to prepare so you can make your way up and give here. Um, I do want to go over a couple things. Um, Sister Hutto's sister passed away. So the funeral service will be tomorrow at the Swain Funeral Home in Baxley. I've got the address if you need it, but most people can, can Google it. But it's at 3 p.m. Um, and again, that's Sister Hutto's sister. The funeral service will be tomorrow in Baxley at Swain. Amen. Today, don't forget, Singles with Purpose at 4.30. Mommy and me will be tomorrow, Monday at 11 a.m. There'll be a picnic and card exchange at the Liberty Rec Center. Monday also, we have Women in Action at 5.30 and a couple things a little further out. Divorce care begins March 14th. So if you've got a handout, there's more details on the back of the handout. And then baby dedication, March 10th at the 9.30 service. See Crystal Lynn for more information on that. Amen. Again, if it's your first time here, we're so happy that you've come today. Amen. We're going to pray and you can, you can come and, and give your offering and be dismissed. God, we love you today. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, God, for your goodness. God, for speaking to our hearts today. God, we, we're so thankful, God, that you've given us breath and life. God, that we're able to worship you. God, we're able to, to come into your presence. God, we don't take it lightly. God, but we're thankful. God, we ask that you would bless this offering today. God, that you would bless every gift, bless every giver. God, use it for the building of your kingdom. Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed, church. About the honeybee thing? Yeah, yeah. He was gonna put it on uh, that tree up there as long as it's high enough where the kids can't mess with it. Yeah. It, it sounds like something that would be very interesting.